we went in and reconfigured the whole thing, worked through the five steps. And by month five of working with us, now I didn't say month one or week one, did I? Right. right. <laughs> I said month five, they had the greatest month in the history of their company. This is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Welcome to another episode of Stay Paid. I'm Joshua Stike along with Luke Acree. And before we bring on our guest today, we'd love it if you take a minute just to subscribe to Stay Paid on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you're not already subscribed, while there, drop us a review to let us know how we're doing. We're going to read it here on the show. Our guest today is Philip Stutz. Philip comes from kind of an unconventional background. This is I love it. Cool. This is the first when time. I read the bio, I was like, this is going to be a great so, interview. What he refers to as the cutthroat world of political marketing with over two decades of experience working on campaigns with billions of dollars in political ad spend and contributing to over 1,400 election victories, including three U.S. presidential victories. Philip has taken the secret formula that's been used to get presidents elected and applied that to helping businesses convert more customers, grow their bottom line, and dominate the competition. Philip, welcome to Stay Paid. Thanks for being here. I need you guys to bring a little bit more energy to the table here. We're not. Yeah, we're not known. Yeah, Seriously. we're not known for our energy, Philip. You know, yeah, we're just we're laid back. Relaxing. Super, <laughs> yeah. I'm super pumped about being here. Nah, man, it is awesome to have you. We got introduced to Jeff, who is one of our past guests, Jeff Lerner. You guys yeah. got to go check out that episode. He's a beast, wild just, man, Jeff. Oh uh, yeah, he's killing it in the entrepreneur space and the business space. Yeah. But super excited to talk to you about just you know advertising and where you see the economies at right now and how people can take what you've learned and helping people even win elections to really grow their business. Would love for you to just tell a little bit of your story though, because it's a unique, obviously kind of niche of an industry. I don't talk to a lot of marketers that are in the political space or have been in that space. Share with us how you got started, how you got into what you're doing, lead us up to today. All right. Well, Luke, you just nailed uh, what I would recommend for everybody. Go into the space that no one else is going into, Mm -hmm. right? So there aren't any... uh, as far as I know, there aren't any political marketers out there that are crushing it in the business world, right? So I'm the only one. So you could say, hate politics. And I'm like, good. I'm good with you. You're, you, don't, <laughs> you don't have to fit my niche. Like, I respect it, right? But if you're sort of intrigued by not the crazy politician, but like, what does it take for to get the crazy politician elected? Mm. You know, and, and then how could I think outside the box as an outlier in my industry to employ those strategies and those tactics into my business when no one else is thinking like this, what kind of exponential growth could I have? And ultimately that's sort of the approach that we come. I mean, my background is really, uh, really kind of simple. It's uh, I grew up in Alabama. Um, I was the first generation of ADD kids. This is even before they had diagnosed ADHD. So I, I missed ADHD. I just went straight <laughs> to ADD. Uh, they threw me on Ridland. Uh, I was a horrible student. I mean, literally, I'm not making this up, guys. I was literally put in classes that were slightly above special ed mm-hmm. in, in wow. junior high and high school. Slightly above mm-hmm. special ed. I just had severe ADA, or ADD, right? Put on Ridland, you know, became a great student, all that kind of stuff. Got off Ridland as soon as I got out of college, went to Alabama because... I see that my IDD is a a strength. I see it as one of my superpowers. And I didn't want to sort of push that power down because society told me it was bad, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I really only cared about two things. 
uh, when I was in college, like I literally was 22 and had no idea what I was going to do. I people, these people that like start businesses at 20 or like know what they're going to do at 10 years old. I, that, those are amazing people. I, I'm not that, but, uh, I, I literally didn't know what I was going to do. I had the chance to go work on a presidential campaign in 1996, uh, during my senior year of college and just basically said, Holy, shit, this is what I want to do. And, um, and I started working on political campaigns. I lived all over the country. And the reason I would tell you this is it goes back to the ADD thing. Like I wanted to work for something I could believe in, something I'd be passionate about, something that would grab my attention every yeah. single moment of every day. There was a three-year window, like from 2000 to 2002, where I had a total of 21 days off in three years total, um, wow. including weekends. And not... I just loved what I did. All I wanted to do was work. I was single. What does it matter? Right. So, uh, that, you know, that's in a nutshell. I, I, I worked on that campaign in 1996, um, and just kind of worked my way up by 2004. Um, I, I was literally a homeless vagabond, like a, a mercenary running around working on political campaigns all over the country. I've lived in Louisiana and California and New Mexico and South Dakota. Oh my gosh. And, and I basically said, okay, I can't really live like this much longer. Because uh, at the time in 2004, I was uh, 30 years old. So moved back to Washington, D.C. and became a political consultant and did that for about nine years. And you guys probably understand this. And maybe a lot of your audience understands this, this is where it's going to resonate, I think, because I was a one man operation. I had a ton of clients, one man operation. And then one day, I had about eight clients. I was making high seven figures, excuse me, high six figures. And I was working, doing some work for some nonprofits and two of the nonprofits ran out of money. Hmm. And another client just said, I don't want to do this anymore. Like run for office anymore. It just, it's too hard. Hmm. And I went from seven, eight clients to literally like three or four that by the next week and 60% of my income was gone. And I went, Ooh, that does not feel good. Mm. And so I said, I had to like change. Like I, I, I didn't know what that meant. I was, um, uh, I was kind of raised to be scared of my own shadow and I had to, you know, kind of overcome a lot of psychological barriers. Uh, I've done that through a lot of therapy, but also I've done the psychedelic paths. I've done all that stuff, but it's kind of broken me through that wall. And at a certain point, I was driving from to see a client in New Orleans and I was driving to Birmingham, Alabama to see another client. This is like in 2014. And I went, I can't keep going like this. I got to go big. That's the name now of one of my companies is Go Big Media. Mm -hmm. And that's where it came from. We started with, uh, to this day, that was in 2015. So we're talking uh, seven plus years now. And we started with no outside investors, no debt. To this day, we have no outside investors, no debt. And we're... We've done over a billion in sales in our created invested companies. Oh and gosh. we've done, we're going to hit a hundred million in revenue uh, in the next 12 months. That is um, unbelievable, and, man. Crushing and, it. And, well, my wife would tell you, I'm not crushing it. Uh, because, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good partner uh, right there. Pushing you. I like that. <laughs> uh, she would tell you it's a little different because I am, I, I don't give two about money. And that's part of, part of my problem, mm. but it's also why it's successful. I think, because 
I just keep rolling my profits back into my business and mm. doubling down. You know, I always ask people like, what's their favorite stock or what's their most successful stock in their portfolio? And for me, it's just me, right? Yeah, it's your business. It's not, yeah. yeah, it's not Google. It's not some other uh, stock, right? And so I'm uh, like, I always say, equity wise, man, I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Love that, man. Cash wise. My wife's a little frustrated, <laughs> yeah. right? So, it's like, how can we be a $100 million company and not have any money? That is literally a quote I've heard before. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Welcome, <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. welcome to entrepreneurship. That's but what look, people don't I've realize. Trajectory. We want to get to about 2030, and then we want to figure out if, we, you know, if, if we're ready to exit. Um, yep, if that's, that's where we want to Is most go. of your business, just so I understand and the audience understands, for your media company, is it mostly you're doing advertising type campaigns in the political and business arenas? Yeah. Um, is it social media advertising or is it the whole gamut? Yes. Okay, social yeah, it's media? Ev- it's everything. Okay. Um, it, we're full. I was told early on I had needed to be niche. I needed to be all in on a social media platform. And I went, no. Uh, I'm a strategist. And so as a strategist, I decided to bring everything in house. Okay. We, we do, uh, we are an award-winning creative team. We have a huge media buying team. Nice. Um, and we follow, which we're going to get into in a minute, but these five uh, steps yeah. that I wrote about in my book and, and ultimately that's just the way we built success. We want to be the, the best um, we want to follow data. We want to be empathetic to the customer or the, or the voter. And then we ultimately want to produce massive results for the client. Love that. Yeah. Well, let's get into that because your book is titled The Undefeated Marketing System. I love the subhead of your book as well. How yeah, to grow your it. business and build your audience using the secret formula that elects president. So that automatically kind of draws it's fantastic. in there. Talk a little bit about the five-step system in terms of how can a small business owner kind of apply the same thing that you've used at this massive national scale at their own at their own local scale? What are what are the steps there? Well, first of all, it's, tw- it's twenty five years of distilled idiotic mistakes and successes <laughs> down into a book, so that the person that reads it doesn't have to make the same mistakes. Mm. Right? I've figured out the formula <laughs> through a lot of trial and error. Uh, it, the formula came out of it. this way. And then we'll walk through the steps, but like, um, the formula had, had, until I wrote this book had never been identified even in politics. Hmm. It just was in something inherently every marketer in politics does. And so about five years ago, we started our corporate ad agency, which is called WinBig Media. And we, we landed the biggest client we'd ever landed immediately, like within the first couple of months. Right. And it was a eight figure supplement company, but they were going to nine figures and they got, the owner was like, I freaking love politics. I want you to do in my business, what you do for presidents. Right. And so I'm like, cool, let's do it. And so we started having a few successes with the guy. We were not following this formulaic approach, but we were just kind of implementing here and there, the different tactics of politics. And then he said, hey, I want you guys to help me run uh, an Instagram campaign for my largest or or my best selling uh, uh, supplement, like the the supplement that makes him the vast majority of his business. So we said, awesome. And we had our creative team do a photo shoot and all this stuff. And we presented him what we were going to put out to the public for the ad campaign. And he looked at us in the meeting and he said, what the hell are you doing here? And we went, oh, what? And he goes, how do you, what, what in the hell are you doing? And we went, what? And he said, you are about, you are presenting a 
social or, or I Instagram post with the bottle of my best-selling supplement and you don't have a human being in the ad. It's just a, it's just a picture of the supplement. And I said, yeah. And he goes, I've spent seven years working on my organic and paid a logarithm at Instagram. If you don't have a human being in the ad, it'll crash the logarithm and seven years of my work will go down the drain. How do you not understand my business? Wow. <laughs> and I went, oh man, I am so sorry. We will get this fixed. My bad, my bad, my bad. I said, you'll have something tomorrow. That's the last time I ever talked to the guy because he ghosted me from that point forward. Really? Never heard from him again. And but can I, can I ask you just because yeah. I'm so curious, is that, no. do you believe that? Is that a real thing? Like if he wouldn't have put a human in the ad, like, have you seen that to be true? Like I yeah. haven't really heard that, but I did see a speech by Ty Lopez one time where he literally went through people's Instagram pages and yeah. their websites and stuff. And he pointed out, look at the ones that get response. It's the pictures right. of people uh, yeah. smiling at you, looking at the camera, not the just side 100%. profiles and stuff. Yeah. The guy knew his business better than I knew his business. Hmm. And that was a problem because how could I serve him if I didn't understand what the customer wanted the most, which was a human in the picture. Hmm. And so hmm. I locked myself, we lost, yeah, obviously we lost this massive client right out of the gate, right? We're like, damn. And so I locked myself in my office for two weeks and I, uh, there's this great exercise, uh, this probably the greatest business mind in the world, in the coaching world that I've ever come across, a guy named Keith Cunningham. Not a lot of people know about yeah, him. Yeah, I don't know him. Yeah, I'll oh, write man. that down. Keith, well, let me sidebar on this. Keith is great because of this. He doesn't teach you how to 10X your business. Okay. He teaches you how never to lose your business. Hmm. It's a defensive coaching, not an offensive coaching. Interesting. And as business owners, we kind of need that, right? So he has this... Um, he has this uh, process called thinking time where basically you're challenged by something. You write a question out and you sit in a chair without any electronics. And for 35 minutes, you just write the answer with a pen and paper. And you cannot look up. You can't look at your watch. You just have to power through. And what ultimately happens is the first 15 minutes is everything off the top of your head uh, that you're already thinking about. The next 15 minutes, you hit a wall and you're like, there's nothing here. What the? I'm going to write about it. I don't know what to do. I don't know. And then the last 15 minutes, you had this massive breakthrough and you just blow through ideas you never thought possible. And I'm not telling you like it happens every once in a while. It happens every time I do it. Right. Wow. And so I asked this question to myself, what is it? What, what are the steps that we take in politics to get candidates elected? And how would that apply to businesses? And I wrote down the five steps and I got it out of that thinking time. Mm. And I went, holy this is what we're going to change our company to. So we went to every client we had, uh, which was a massive risk because uh, uh, business owners don't like to take, as funny as it, is, it sounds, they don't like to take a lot of risks. They like to say they take risks, but they don't take a lot as much as you think. And so I said, I don't care. We're going to implement this with every client we have for it. It's just going to work or it's not. And so we had to sit down with every client and say, hey, we're going to scrap how we're doing things. We're going to follow this five-step system. And, and that's what we're going to do going forward. Luckily, they all went for it. And all of a sudden, six months later, every one of them was having record-breaking months. And hmm. then we started bringing on new clients. And to this day, every client that we worked with that has followed the formula, some people quit because <laughs> they're like, ooh, this is hard. You know, I, I want the get-rich-quick pill. And I just don't have it. But everybody that follows this formula has grown their bottom line, every single business. And so I went, well, I have proof of, I have proof now. Right. And so then I wrote the book. And the book is really about the formula, but 
it's all chopped through and told through stories. So political war stories, uh, corporate campaign stories. It's a highly entertaining book if you like to read a lot of stories and learn through stories. Love that. I want to hear the craziest political war. Story. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, we're going to switch to the Ben Shapiro podcast now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, but talk about the five steps, right? So let's break them down real quick. I know you can't give everything on each step, but if you could kind of go through just some of the steps here and what you think people can take away very quickly from them. Yeah, Josh, um, I'm happy to give you the crazy story, but it'll take <laughs> a few minutes. But if we want to come back to that, I'm all All right, right we'll okay. see if we have time at the end. Yeah. All right, it's crazy. All right, so the five steps were... <laughs> that's the cliffhanger. That's the, that's yeah. the clickbait, people. You got to keep I, listening. I'm a media guy. I know how to tease things. Uh, so really, it, let me talk to you how, how it works in politics. And I'm going to translate it over to business, right? So in politics, um, let's say uh, a guy... Where, where are you guys located again? We're outside of Philly. Oh, my God. All right. Don't hold it against us. It's the city of brotherly love, man. I, I know. I know. Uh, I mean, I, I spent 20 years in D.C., so I was your neighbor. But yeah. um, now I'm in Florida. Very different place. <laughs> Smart man. But um, <laughs> All right. So let's say in Pennsylvania, some guy wants to run for the U.S. Senate, mm-hmm. right? I actually think we're doing either the Senate or the governor's race in, in Pennsylvania right now. One of my companies. So anyway, that, that's neither here nor there. All right. Say a guy comes and says, hey, I want to run for the U.S. Senate. First thing I do is I sit down with that candidate and I say, what do you believe in? And inevitably, that egotistical politician tells me, I believe in 27 different things. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Nobody wants to know your 27 things. Like people just have room in their head for about one or two things. Right. Mm. So my job is to then take those 27 different items and go test them in the field with the voters to figure out whether it's through a poll or through data and analytics. What are those 27 things rises to the top? So at such a degree that you would vote for an unknown or maybe even an unsavory candidate Mm. if you knew they believed in those one or two issues. That's Mm. all I'm thinking about. I'm not thinking about anything else. And ultimately, that's what we find. One or two. From that point forward, and this is in step one, it's, it's doing a deep dive into the voters, into the data of the voters to understand what motivates and drives them, right? And then from that point forward, what do you think? We're, you think we're going to talk about the 25 things they don't care about? Or are we just talking about the two things we care about? And you hammer it. Yeah. And so why that's important for business owners is to understand, I, I love the politician. I'm totally obsessed with the voter. And I tell you the other way around, I love the business owner, but totally obsessed with the, with the customer mm. or the client, B2B, B2C, doesn't matter, e-com, doesn't matter. Totally obsessed with what they believe, what they think. Because the great example I give, and I, you know, we, we have, I, I tell you, the reason I'm so obsessed with this is I banked everything on my company. So I have a partnership that I pay about a million dollars a year for with the largest data analytics and AI company in America. Um, and in our database, we have 230 million American consumers, 550 million connected devices. We're tracking 10 billion online purchasing decisions every day and a trillion searches. Really? Jeez. Yes. So this is why I was on Fox Business this week, was to yeah. talk about what we're seeing in the economy through this database. Because no one... I've probably looked at more consumer data in the last 24 months since the pandemic broke out uh, than any human on earth. Um, not... Medical data, 
consumer data. Right. And yeah. I'm obsessed. So obsessive because I want to know what moves the consumers. So my business clients know how to ship their message properly because everything's changing every six weeks with everything we're looking at in the economy. And if you're not on top of what's moving consumers, you're going to be left behind, yeah. right? A great example of this is a founder story. Man, Luke, Josh, you guys love your founder story. I so different. I tell people my founder story. I just did it, by the way. And But what if you knew that the people that buy from you only cared about 25% of your founder story. Mm-hmm. What if you knew, would you continue to talk the 75% they don't care about, or would you take that 25% and optimize it for maximum? Yeah, 100%. So that don't spend money until you know that that's my whole point. My ever, this system is a risk elimination system. And, you know, um, uh, Lou, you made a good point earlier, like, okay, I'm dealing at a very high level. Right. But in the book, we walk through how smaller businesses can do this without spending a gazillion dollars on it. Right. Do so they, do they need the data? About- like, do they, do they need that data or is there something you can do at the ground level? Almost like, can you pull your own clients to kind of learn? Like what is the 25% of that founder story that people actually care about? How or- do you get to know the 25%? Right. So in my database, but which we do work with small business owners to, to help them understand, look at their data. Um, it, it, it's uh, like 7,500 bucks to, to do the project. Gotcha. So it's expensive, but it's not overly expensive. So when we work yeah, at Fortune sure. 200 companies, they're going to look at a $250,000 budget okay. because they want to know what an 18 to 20 year old male's uh, that aren't in college thinking yeah. of this top of this particular consumer product. Right. And then they want to know 20 to 22, they want to go through a hundred segments. Right. Mm. But with small businesses, we can give them three segments and we can lower the price. That's why I got the, that's why I have this license agreement. So I could offer it to at a lower cost. But if you, let's say you don't have that money, right. Then there are a million different ways you can gather data and get better feedback on what you're doing. It may not be as sophisticated as what I have sure, granted, sure. but Google analytics, Facebook, Twitter, they all give you data and feedback doing mails, the MailChimp service gives you feedback and data. Noticing during certain times of year when things spike and when they don't spike, noticing downtimes, good times, aggregating all the data you possibly can and optimizing to that. That is step one for me, right? You can do it in, in whatever way that you, you know, you see fit, but that's basically the bottom line for it. So then in the political campaign, step two is this. Now that we know what the candidate thinks and now we know what the, the, the voter thinks, we got to put a plan together, a strategic plan, a strategy. You know, I can't tell you in the business world how many times when we, we talk to a client, they have no strategy. It's all tactics. They're running Facebook ads. They're running uh, Instagram ads. I'm like, why? And they go, Instagram. And I go, no, no, I know why. And they go, Instagram. You know, like they don't have an answer for it, right? We, uh, we work with a Shark Tank company. Okay. They sell office chairs. So they came to us and said, we want to double the company. We said, awesome. 
We overlaid. So what we do in our data is it's not survey. It's not just survey data. It's actually IP targeted data. So we grab their IP address. We track their movements online. We track what they search for. We track what they're buying. We track and then we can model it and put it all together. Right. Okay. So we looked at their customer list. We also built out sort of a lookalike modeled audience. And we, we also put a pix on their website so we could track website visitors and find out why their website visitors weren't buying. And we actually found something insanely crazy. We found out because in my database, I can tell you the social media platforms your customers are on in a chronological order. I can tell you their top three values in life. I can tell you what they specifically read and what they specifically watch on streaming services. And wouldn't that be nice to know? That would be like, great to know. Super nice, right? So this company came to us and they were spending 85% of their marketing budget on Facebook. And I said, why? And they said, I don't know, because we heard Facebook. We found out Facebook was the number four performing social media platform for their customers, their mm. website visitors, and their modeled audience. Oof. Number one, take a guess and see what it was. Let's see it. See if you can guess. YouTube. No. Instagram. Right. No. Dang it. TikTok. No, you only get one no. guess, Luke. No, you, <laughs> you can guess till the cows come home, baby. Twitter. It was, it was Pinterest. 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 Here's why. Here's why. Women had gone back into the workforce during the pandemic, but they were working from home and they wanted a comfortable office chair. And the company didn't even know it. And they were not spending a single dollar on Pinterest. Yeah, Pinterest wow. ads are effective too. Yeah. That's crazy. crazy. And the Pinterest, but you're did right. you did you figure out Pinterest because it was like a process of elimination of you saw that the people buying their chairs were women in this certain age group. Where do women in this certain age group And they were going to Pinterest and they were buying things on Pinterest as well. Oh, you were watching that data. Okay. Yep. Okay. So you saw the data all the way through that you saw these people are buying stuff on Pinterest. Super interesting. Yep. Of course. <laughs> and so what I'm telling, whether it's the politician or the business owner is stop spending money on what you don't know. Like find out the, the platforms they're on, the message that's going to work before you go spend a ton of money on your ad campaign, right? So for us, in order to do that, you got to put a strategy together, a plan, like a business plan. You got to think about what's my budget? Who am I going to target? What's the timeline? I'm going to play money ball with that budget. You're going to have certain platforms that are going to get certain dollars because the data says that's where the percentage should go. I'm not sitting there going, sitting around the table going, well, you know, Luke and Josh have a great company. We should do some work for them. Why don't we, you know what would be a cool message? They're great guys. Like, I want to know. Like, it's just a, a freaking guess. Like, I'm not going to do that, right? So for me, I'm not a genius. I'm just following what the data tells me, and then I'm optimizing performance from that. So number two, number, yeah, go ahead. Can I just, I mean, I could almost spend all day on this. It's crazy. So when yeah. you are honing in to find out the message that resonates, is the way you're doing that and using us as an example, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the result we're generating for our clients is more referrals in their book of business, is more yes. repeat transaction, which is ultimately more commission checks, right? For us to go out to our audience and our client base and test messages, is it literally um, posting some Facebook ads and seeing which ads the message resonated with more, like do a more like, living a life of freedom type message, doing a message mm -hmm. that's more, you know, generate a million dollars in sales type message and just seeing which one respond. Is it literally that in, in practicality, so sending out emails that, that is, yeah, that with is subject lines four. to see? 
Um, which, step, that, we're going to get to that at, okay. uh, in step four. Okay, I'm skipping yeah, ahead. I think sorry, you're, sorry. Think you're spot on. No, okay. it's okay. You're ahead of the class. And the reason <laughs> I tell you this is because we've now done these data reports for Tony Robbins, okay. Roland Frazier, Jay Abraham, James Altucher, Marisa Murgatroyd, John yeah, Asaraf. I mean, in a yeah, way, these are the my biggest brand, names. Yeah. My brand is sort of the influencer to the influencers. That makes sense. Yeah. So, um, we're doing one now for Amy Porterfield. I don't know if you know who she is, but she's like one of the biggest female entrepreneur influencers out there right mm-hmm. now. Um, and we're able to tell her everything she's ever wanted to know about the people that are in her funnel. So, but step that step two is the strategy plan, right? Step three is, is now you build the brand. So again, the mistake a lot of politicians, but business owners make is they build the brand first before know what their customer client or in the politics the voter wants, right? Why would I spend money, send people to my brand website? If when they get to the website, they go, eh, not really for me. Like, why would you do that? So we need to know what the data says. We need to have a plan in place and we need to build the brand properly. What is the messages? What are the key points? What are the things you're going to sell? What is, how do you prioritize the things you're going to sell on your website? What does the video look like? What does the message in the video look like? All of these things have to come together in a way that connects with the voter or in, you know, in this case, the, the, consumer, yeah. uh, the, the customer client, right? right. That, that's why we look at step three. Now to get to your point, um, uh, Luke, to get to your point on the, uh, on the, on sort of the testing phase, that's for me is step four. Okay. Now that we know what the customer wants, it's in alignment with the business owner. So this is where people screw up. They look at the testing phase and a lot of marketing agencies are out there going, hey, we, uh, we had a brainstorm session. Let's test, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, let's test Luke and Josh are great guys versus Luke and Josh sell lots of stuff. I don't know, <laughs> you know, and like, again, what if both are wrong mm. and you don't know it and then you just get feedback one performed better than the other. So that's great. Right. In our world, we take the top 10 messages we find in the data. And we say, let's test the top 10 to see, we already know all 10 are going to work. Which one's going to rise to the top in our testing phase? We just don't know. Mm -hmm. And so, and and same thing in politics. So let me give you an example, hate him or love him. In 2016, Donald Trump, his marketers, the the marketing campaign, they would take one message they knew would work in the data and they would test it. Let's say it was on, let's just take it on Facebook. They would test on Facebook 162 different versions of one ad. Really? Jeez. They would have a red background, a blue background, a man in the ad, a woman in the ad, a black person in the ad, a white person in the ad, a white woman, a black woman, a Hispanic woman. They would have different font sizes. The font would be in the right corner, the left corner. Literally 162 versions. And what happened was inevitably there would be eight or nine of those test ads that blew through the roof to such a degree that they were like, well, this is where we're going to spend money. But they didn't know exactly why. They just knew it worked. Mm -hmm. And so that's when you go to step five, which is now you're ready to launch your full force marketing campaign because you've eliminated your risk every single step of the way. And you know exactly the messages they're going to work. You know exactly the platforms they're going to be on. And you know exactly how to reach those people. And then you're going to start running your marketing campaign from that point forward. And really step five is just, I call it step five and beyond. And I talk about that in the book really is about like step five is just start the place where you start optimizing even, even more for performance. So we've got um, a 105 year old furniture chain, regional furniture chain that we work with. And, you know, they've had the greatest 
year in the history of their company in 2021 and into 22. We work with a New York City law firm, 27-year-old law firm, greatest months in the history of their law firm. We work with a national pest control company. They've been in business 35 years. When they came to us, they were they had lost $2 million of the market share in the Southeastern United States. They couldn't figure out why. We went through the process. The Southeastern United States is their best region now, and they've had record month over month. This is not a pandemic thing. People aren't going around going, well, the pandemic's here. Let's get some pest control people. Was around. it like, because, just, was it when you looked at the pest control one, was it because they were targeting, like, is the common factor that they are targeting the wrong people with the wrong message? They didn't. So this is a really good question. So they built a massive, um, they, they like 4X their company from basically 2008 to 2018 on the backs of the Great Recession. So they're great. They're, all their marketing was based on discounts. The okay, problem yeah. was discounts, uh, people had a lot of money. They didn't know that the main their main target market was actually people 55 and older. When we looked at the data, we told them that they were targeting to much younger universe. So they were targeting the wrong people with the wrong message. Hmm. And when people are 55 and older, they typically have kids out of the household. They have discretionary income. They see discounts as cheap. That's what we found in the in the data. Yeah, so they were sense. marketing, literally, they were marketing themselves to death. Yeah. Literally, they were spending, they had spent. $1.8 million in marketing in this region over a 12 month period, they lost $2 million in market share. Jeez. Because they didn't know what their customers wanted or who their customers were. And was. you found out who their customers were, because I want to make sure I'm breaking this down for the audience. Yeah. You found out because you went and looked and saw who was buying from them. And you looked at the demographic information, the profiles basically of those people. You start there. Then from there, are you looking at the leads that came in? Um, or how, where are you going to next after that? Nope, are you going to? Their, they gave us their customer list. We overlaid it online. We tracked their movements. Okay. We came back to them and said, you know, over 50% of your market's 55 and older. They have discretionary income. Kids are out of the house. They're giving money to charity now because they don't have to pay for their kids anymore. You guys contributed to charity. You've never talked about charity. They wanted yeah. safe green products because their kids now are their dogs and cats and they didn't want people spraying bug spray all over their house and injuring their animals. And they had never, they had never marketed their green products before. Wow. Dude, so that we, is so, that's so smart. Yeah, man. crazy. So, so we went in and reconfigured the whole thing, worked through the five steps. And by month five of working with us, now I didn't say month one or week one, did I? Right. right. <laughs> I said month five, they had the greatest month in the history of their company. Yeah. Well, break down the law firm because the law firm's closer to like our, yep. the listeners. You know, we have a lot of real estate insurance, you know, small business owners. So the law firm, what what did you find there? Was it similar, same process, obviously, but what, what yeah, did you Yeah, it was see? able to identify who are the types of, of um, clients that they were bringing in. Okay. Where were they located? What were they consuming on media? So we could target them into those platforms. So they were actually... Uh, their, their target market was low income. Okay. Uh, think of it as a slip and fall. Yep. Um, and we went in and we also saw that they were streaming at like a rate that was like 90% above the average American like streaming. streaming, like Netflix or streaming Hulu, Netflix, <clears throat> all, you know, YouTube TV, they were doing, they were gaming, all that kind of stuff. Right. Huh. So they, we were able to first geofence a lot of the areas that we knew that they lived. 
Uh, you don't know geofencing? Sorry, but yep. I don't mean to be too technical. Yep. Um, and then we were able to drop messages on those physical locations, but we also started hitting streaming. He had never, uh, this the, the head of law firm had never advertised on streaming services. We told him the specific streaming services to, to take. And then we, you know, messaged the thing. Look, if you can have all the best data in the world. If your message sucks, it ain't going to convert anybody. Yeah. So it's a combination of understanding the data of the consumer and then having a great message. And this is why, guys, this is the most important thing. And if you're listening there, mental note or write this down or pop it in your phone, according to Forbes, we are seeing up to 10,000 ads a day online and offline. Jeez. A person is seeing 10 or? On average, up to 10,000 ads a day. Why that's important. Because if you don't understand that there is a war going on for attention, and if you're a law firm or you're a real estate agent and you think your competition is the other real estate agent, no, it's the t-shirt company, the shoe company, it's the desk company. Anything it's, that's taking mind share. It's 10,000 businesses yeah. a day. So if you're not playing a different game of thinking, one, where is my customer and what do they like and what do they want Right. And how does that align with what I'm building? And then two, how does my message now that I know what they want and think and all that stuff, how does it through that clutter? How challenging has it been for your business being so data heavy with all this privacy stuff that's going on right now? Obviously, Apple has great cold, you know, some privacy. Yeah. Um, policies. You've got even in Apple Mail now it's extended to in terms of being able to track and see what people are doing. Um, how has that sort of impacted you or have you guys had to do anything to pivot around that? There's always pivoting around it. The rules are going to change every five minutes. The mm -hmm. good thing is for the last 10 years, we had all the access to Facebook and, and Apple and all iOS and all that. Yeah. So the 230 million Americans we have in our database, we already have 10,000 data points on them. Yeah. Now the streaming services, right? So Hulu, but also uh, Vizio and the TV makers because they're, you know, they're in the business. They sell our, they sell the data. So we're grabbing all of this, all of their stuff there. We're, you know, Google is going to close the, the, the ranks probably in the next two years, but we still have all the access there as well. And so it is, has it affected us? Yeah, a little bit, but we already have all the data. Yeah. Streaming is so and now we're just like, adding on, on top of it. Streaming That's all gives we're you, doing. Yeah. It makes sense. Probably the most insight into someone's mind, what they're watching on Netflix than anything. Well, the, well not only that, but let's just take Hulu or YouTube TV, right? Advertising based services. Sure, yeah. I can, let's say I've got, you know, 10 people on a block. I can drop an ad on a big screen TV, which is important to just one family yep. that meets all of my targeting yep. capabilities and no one else on that block gets that ad. And, you know, that's why how inefficient cable TV is, right? Yep. Here's what we're finding in the data right now that we're seeing that it's blowing through the roof. So the first, it's been like, we've seen Facebook drastically drop, like right. massive, like people, they're all on Facebook. I'm not saying that. They're on Facebook, but they're scrolling Facebook. They're not buying Facebook. Mm. And where we're seeing the attention go is TikTok, a little bit of snap, but audio platforms. Okay. Massive. So Spotify, massive, Amazon. The music. most underutilized advertising market out there right now is podcasts. I mean, it, or, or even Spotify, the, you know, the, pay, the, the advertising streaming services, 
or, you know, I mean, these are the things like everybody, especially during the pandemic, that's where the attention went. People are at home, they're walking their dogs, they're they're working out. Everybody is now on podcasts and, and that's good for you guys, you know, trying to get ad dollars, but like we're now more and more entering into the podcast market for a very niche client that has a niche service to sell. And they're, even if that podcast gets 500 listeners, if it's 500 listeners in the exact demo the right that listeners. that person's selling, yep. that's where we're going to go in and start doing ads to. And, and it's a lot more work because everything's sort of you know spread out, but it's, you've got to do it to break through the clutter. Like you have to. It makes so much sense because it's it's all about the targeting. All right, tell us your craziest political. Yeah, let's story. end on the craziest. Yeah, we we got it. We got to hear this. So, two thousand one, I'm uh, appointed by George W. Bush to work at the Department of Education, U.S. Department of Education. It's like the first two weeks of this administration. The Secretary of Education, a guy named Rod Page, comes to me and he says, "I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I got to go to a meeting at the Wait White House." <laughs> Well, what? it's already the craziest we know. I don't know what yeah. I'm doing. What are you, what are you well, talking I about? Mean, he didn't know like the ways of Washington. Yeah, no, that I, yeah, that makes sense. Like he's like this school superintendent from Houston, Texas. So he's like, wow. but let's all be honest that we all know that they don't know what they're doing. No, that, they absolutely don't know what they're doing. Right. So he says, will you come with me? And he goes, we got to meet with some CEOs. I'm like, sure. So we go, I'm 26 years old. I walk into the West Wing, the Roosevelt Room of the White House. I'm in this meeting with the CEO of Hewlett Packard, AT&T, bunch of, uh, bunch of CEOs. Jeez. And the president of the United States walks in. And that's the meeting right there. Oh, uh, yeah. the picture? Okay. Sick. Yeah. 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 And I'm in this meeting. And, and I have it signed. The picture that, that I'm pointing to is signed by the president and secretary of education. Wow, that's cool. Because it was pretty cool. That is awesome. That's not the story. The story is that he comes in and he says, I want to roll out this education plan called No Child Left Behind. And it's going to be my number one domestic policy position. And I really want to get an understanding of how you guys as CEOs would market this plan. And this is the first time I'd ever been exposed to hearing business business owners or CEOs talking about marketing. It was the most fascinating talk ever. Hmm. So the meeting ends. And the president looks at Secretary Page and he says, they're old friends. He says, hey, Rod, um, I got to go do a press conference at a school. I'm going to read to these kids and then I'm going to do a press conference about this No Child Left Behind Act. So do you want to come with me and ride in the motorcade? And Secretary Page is like, yeah. And then that meant that his little stooge, me, also (laughs) got to go ride in the presidential motorcade as we went to this school. It's Knoll Elementary School in DC. And so we get, I, I, if you've, you know, bucket list item, uh, riding in a presidential motorcade, like people waving to me on the streets, right? I, I've done item, anything. Right? I just, I'm like in a parade, right? And, uh, and we go to Knoll Elementary School and C-SPAN's there. And I, I actually, when I give a speech on stage, I tell the story, but like, uh, you, you know, I took a flash shot of C. I went literally went back in their archives and found the school visit and me in the video of the school visit. But the president's reading to kids. I'm like standing over to his right. And after it's over, he the president does this press conference, talks about No Child Left Behind. He's uh, kind of repeating the talking points from the CEOs. And I'm seeing that whole process play out. And it's so cool. 
And then the president says to Secretary Page, hey, um, do you want to let's just walk down the hallway of the school and pop into other classrooms and, and surprise the kids? And guess who got to walk in the hallway with Secretary Page and President? Me. So it's the three of us. I'm not making this up. It's the wow, President of the United States, crazy. the Secretary of Education. And I'm like two feet behind. Let's be honest. I'm not equal, right? I'm like two feet behind. And the President looks over at Secretary Page as they're walking down the hallway. And he says, hey, Rod, you know, it's been two weeks since I've been sworn in. How, how are you doing? How are you holding up? And he says... You know, everything's going pretty good so far. He goes, the strangest thing, though, that I've learned since I've been in D.C. And the president says, well, what is it? And he said, apparently, when you become secretary of education, they give you one of these guys. And he points behind <laughs> himself right at me. What are these guys? What are these guys? That's so great. And, and the president, Bush, like literally turns around, <laughs> looks at me. And if you know his mannerisms, he gives this kind of eyebrow raise like, you know, like the eyebrow raising. And I'm like frozen, frozen in my tracks. Like, what the hell? And I remember that night going home and laying in bed and thinking about how cool it was to hear the CEOs, but how in politics, I was nothing more than an expendable pawn. Mm. And honestly, if I'm, to, if I'm to be totally honest, that was probably the seed that planted right there that day that put me where I am right now hmm. because it was such an amazing experience, but also to really realize that I can keep, I mean, I'm standing next to the power uh, the most powerful man in the world, right? Mm -hmm. but I hadn't done anything to earn that. I wasn't adding anything of value. I was just standing there to be honest. Hmm. And I wanted my life to be something different. And I was sort of fascinated by the CEOs and their, their marketing talk and their advertising talk. And that's what kind of led uh, led me to that's where I am today. Cool. But that's uh, I would say that's probably my craziest story. Great story, yeah, man. it's a great awesome. lesson. Awesome, that, awesome, awesome. Philip, thanks for so much for coming on. Before we close out, let people know how they can connect with you, where they can pick up your book. If uh, I know you said you had a free resource you wanted to offer to everybody. Yeah, no, I um, uh, you can find me at philipstutz.com. I'm sure you guys will have the show notes, the proper spelling of that. If you guys uh, you know, are intrigued by the way we look at data and intrigued by what your customers or clients would look like in our system. My team will do a 30-minute free phone call with you guys to talk about what's going on on our data, what it looks like for your customers. You can choose to either work with us or not, but you'll get some value out of it. And that's at philipstutz.com slash insight. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome. We might have to take advantage yeah, of seriously. that. Yeah, seriously. Thanks again, Philip, for coming on. And thank you all so much for listening. You can dive deeper to this episode. Get those links that Philip mentioned along with the video and the show notes for this episode over at staypaidpodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode and looking for ways to support the show, we'd love it if you share this episode with a friend, share it with a co colleague. It's really the best way to uh, support the show. If you want to get hold of me or Luke, you can email us at podcast.remindermedia.com. And of course, you can find us on Instagram. We are at Stay Paid Podcast. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. Guys, I'm Luke Acre. Love this episode. Man, there's so much, there's so many roads we could go down. It's so awesome. Philip, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Guys. Trying to, you know, kind of break this down into something really tactical for you that you can implement that I believe all of you can do. And I love that idea of like think time, like sitting there and powering out and spending some think time on a problem. But I think specifically what will be extremely valuable for each of you to do is to sit down and look at who is buying from you. 
Who are they? Have you ever looked at that as looked at all your past clients and go, hey, what are the profiles on these people? What's the data on these people? Even as simple as the age group, are they first time home buyers? Are they, you know, this is their third home? If you're in real estate, what is it about these people that is in common? That will teach you so much about the value proposition that you're bringing to the table and the messaging that you probably need to start using. Remember, the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer in every single business is top producers take action. Take action on that today.